0: All right. Well good morning, Hope City Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I was realizing this has kind of been a busy weekend if you are a part of our Friday night uh services and if you're a woman or a student, you were probably here Friday night, maybe even Saturday, and now here we are again today. And uh just been a, a great weekend filled with lots of things for the Lord. Uh my name is Tim Lansing. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I get to uh have the privilege to work with our students here. So I'm the student pastor. Um typically you wouldn't see me up here a lot because I'm usually in the youth garage with our students. And uh, so here's my shameless plug real quick. If you find yourself as a middle school or high school student and you haven't had a chance to connect, maybe you're new to Hope City, haven't had a chance to connect with us yet. We would love to invite you to join us uh, Friday nights uh, out in the youth garage or on Sunday mornings as well uh, during this time and the nine o'clock time. So uh, but it's been a while since I've been up here. It's been a little bit since I've had the opportunity to uh, come before you and preach. And uh, so this morning will either really be a great time in God's word together or this may be the last time you ever see me kick off a new series. Uh, Pastor Oscar will probably decide that. So but we're, we're starting off a new series today. Uh, it's on the screen there. Psalms and Proverbs uh, Wisdom for 2024. So um, over the next three weeks, very short series uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to be kind of going through uh, these poetic books, uh, but they're packed full of wisdom. And we know the Bible is full of wisdom, right? We could we could look anywhere in the Bible and find the wisdom of God and apply those things to our life. But we're going to take the next three weeks, uh, our pastoral team and some of our staff. And we're going to kind of walk through uh, and really just pull out some nuggets of wisdom Right. So how many of you, not to put people on the spot here, how many of you have actually spent time in Psalms and Proverbs, read through it, maybe in a reading plan? Anybody gone through Psalms and Proverbs in your own kind of devotional time? So so this may be a recap, but we wanted like what are some nuggets of wisdom that we can pull out and in 2024 apply to our lives today? Um, Now, here's the deal. There are one hundred and fifty chapters in Psalms. Right. Anybody know how many chapters are in Proverbs? 31. So where's my mathematicians out there? What's the combination of those two? 150, 31. Right. Okay, I'm just checking. Everybody's awake this morning. Uh, So 181 chapters and we're we're only spending three weeks on it. So we're barely going to scratch the surface in these two books. But really, we just want to take some time over the next couple weeks um, and, and, and really say, hey, what's the wisdom for that we can grab from these two books? So, if you could do this, grab your Bibles, if you haven't grabbed them already, or grab your device. Uh, if you're uh, online and at home with us, uh, please grab your Bibles as well. Join us. Uh, Psalms 27 is where we're going to be camping out this morning. Uh, and we're only going to be kind of looking at the first half of this chapter. So, Psalm 27, we'll start with verse 1. Uh, if you're able to, and as you find your way there, if you'll stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Psalm 27, starting at verse one. This is the Psalm of David, and and David says this, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. And one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent And he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. God, we just say thanks uh, for your word. God, thanks for the opportunity to gather together this morning. God, thanks for the opportunity to even just set aside whatever else is going on today with football and other things. God, just to set aside time where we can gather as the body of Christ. And God, whether we come here knowing you or whether we're checking this Jesus person out and we're trying to figure out what that what a relationship with, uh, with you looks like. God, we're just grateful that we're here today. And God, may we claim the promise that David claimed here in this passage. He said, yet I will remain confident in, in you. So, God, may we find our confidence in you as we face the, the fear all around us, as we face the world around us. God, help us do that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you guys caught that in this verse or in this passage, but three different times you see the word fear or you see the word afraid. So let's look at that real quick. So in verse one, David starts out the psalm and he says this says, the Lord is the light is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Right. So all of a sudden we, we get this picture that David is either encountering fear or fear is upon him or there's been fear in his past. And this this whole passage is about faith and fear. How do those two interact? What does that look like? And so David here says, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So he's asking this question. Who, who do I have to fear if the Lord is my light and my salvation? And then he goes on and says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then if you go down to to verse three, he says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. So you can tell right away that David's got this confidence in the Lord, though there's fear. And though there's things that David is encountering in his life, there's this confidence right where he says, who who do I have to fear? What shall I fear if my trust is? Is in the Lord, And so here's what I know. Many different times in David's life, David encountered fear. David encountered being afraid. Maybe if you're thinking back through like, OK, what passages have I read about David? What stories do I know about David? You would probably recall. Yeah, there was moments in David's life where he ran. There was moments in David's life where he was fearful. Like I think about the moment he had to face Goliath. Right. Like it was only because the Lord went with him that he was able to do it when David was being threatened by King Saul, right? He ran, but it was only the confidence of the Lord that allowed David to fight off that fear and to fight off the people that were coming against him. See, fear is prevalent, and David encountered that fear. And it's something that I would assume, I know I have uh, encountered fear in my life. I'm assuming it's something that we've all encountered to some degree, a fear of something, a fear of someone, a fear of some event Uh, in our lives. So a little group interaction this morning, just to make sure that you're awake and that you're tracking here. I want you to say on the count of three, I want you to say the word fear. One, two, three fear. Right. So fear. uh, I want to share something this morning relating to fear. So uh, fear has been something that I've had to battle in my own life. Uh, So I'm not up here talking about David's fear and, and 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 fear in our world. Like fear has been very personal to me because fear is something that's I feel like has often stopped me from fully serving the Lord. There's been fear in my life. So I've had a fear since I was young. Let me share. Uh, I'll share a quick story with you. Um, there was a moment in as a sixth grader. And I don't know. I probably experienced some fear prior to that as a little kid. I'm sure there was fear of like I was fearful of the dark. I was fearful of being in trouble by mom and dad. Right. Because I did something wrong. I'm not sure there's fears there. But as a sixth grader. I remember showing up to class one day and my teacher said to the entire class, you guys are going to have to do a presentation and the presentation you need to present before the class is how to do something. So it's like a how to presentation. Well, if you knew me as a sixth grader and knew me as a young kid, I hated being in the spotlight. I hated talking in front of people. I hated having to like speak and do these type of things. And I was like, I didn't want to do it. And so fear immediately set in and I was like, I do not want to do this. Right. And I don't know what my classmates were thinking I'm some. I'm sure some of them were excited about it. I was not. And so as a sixth grader, I remember going home and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And so I didn't do anything. Fear gripped me and I didn't do anything with it. I just was praying, hey, Lord, either you're going to come before I have to give the presentation Right. Or my teacher maybe will even forget about it. Well, neither one of those things happened. And I showed up to to school one day and our teacher said, "Okay, today is presentation day. And I had planned nothing. And I remember standing in front, like, you know, student after student got up to share. They all did a great job. And then my name was called. And so I walked up to the front of my class, all my peers there ready to listen to me. And I didn't have a clue what I was going to talk about. And so I remember thinking like, OK, what do I know how to do? What can I quickly just share? And so the first thing that came to my mind, is said, today I'm going to teach you how to make a bed. And then I just like I just froze. Now, my mom had taught me how to make a bed, but I didn't have any props. I didn't have anything to like help explain that. And I hadn't planned anything And I, tears just started coming down my face and I bolted out of that classroom. And eventually my teacher came after me and, you know, she spent time with me and then we had to talk about, you know, why I didn't plan and how I need to do better. Right. But for that one moment in my young life, I realized that fear was knocking on my door and it was fear of being in public and having to speak in front of other people. I don't know if you can relate to that story in some way. I don't know if there's a type of fear that you've encountered at some point in your life. Um, But we're going to talk a a little bit about fear this morning. How did David encounter fear? What does that look like? Uh, How do we battle the fear that we're facing? Well, here's the interesting thing. As I was researching and looking through scripture and doing some studies on this passage and, and David and fear, here's what I discovered. Now, depending on the version of the Bible that you have, it could be a little different. But when I was looking... Over 367 times, and again, maybe some of your versions, it could be up to 400 times, the word fear appears in Scripture. Right? So thinking back to my sixth grade self, I'm like, well, no wonder I was fearful because fear is all around us. The Bible talks about fear and how we encounter fear constantly. And so I was like, okay, well, that's good. And I realized some of the times that those you know, 367 to 400 times that the Bible talks about fear, sometimes that fear is relating to the, to, it's a little different type of fear. It's a fear or a reverence, like the fear of the Lord, right? It's a reverence or a respect, a high view of who God is in our life. But most of the time, those 400 or so encounters of fear in the Bible are talking about what David encountered, the idea of being fearful and afraid and the things that we face, like, how do we do that? And how do we not be afraid as we do that? Well, as I continue to study, I realize this. Not only does fear appear a lot of times in the Bible, but the phrase fear not also appears 365 times in the Bible. Think about that. That's one day for every day of the year, right? That God is reminding us, fear not, for I'm with you. Fear not, for I got you. Fear not. Right. And so that brought me great comfort as I was preparing this message. Uh, but I realized this again. Fear is a real thing. Fear can grip us. Fear can stop us in our tracks. Fear can paralyze us and stop us from doing the things that God wants to do in our life. So let me kind of walk through a little bit of, of, of things that we may be fearful of. So we'll start really simple. All right. So as a kid, I was deathly fearful and afraid of bees. Anybody like that? Anybody not like bees? Am I, I good? I'm not alone. Thank you, Lulu. Thank you others. Right. So I, I still don't like bees. My wife would say I'm still probably fearful of bees, but I'm doing better. I actually like, got, I sprayed, you know, you can get those cans of spray for like wasp nests. And I actually did that. Usually I'd be like somebody else do it. Uh, but I did that not too long ago, a couple years ago. Right. So, but but bees have always been like a thing to me. I don't know why. I've never been stung by a bee. I don't even know the impact that they have. I just don't like them. Um, so I don't know where you fall. I don't know if there's fear of bugs. Uh, like, I'm the go-to in my family. If ever there's a spider or a bug, it's like, get dad. Like, I don't want to touch the kids, We're like, don't, not, not me, right? Get dad, he'll do it. My wife, I'll throw her under the bus. This is the problem when you're related to somebody that preaches. You get to be in their sermon. So my wife... Uh, she is fearful and won't step a foot on those big tour buses. You ever follow behind one of those big tour buses where you like, you have to walk up steps to get up there. And then down below is all the luggage. So you're, but you ever follow one of those buses and they're going like 70 miles an hour and the bus is like doing this. Right. And my wife is like, that's no, thanks. I'm not doing that. Right. So we have fear of things in our lives. Maybe for some of us, it's the fear of losing someone. Think about this. Do you you ever have fear of maybe losing? What what would it be like if I lost my spouse? Do you think about that? What what would it be like if I lost a child? Some of you probably have experienced that, right? And and there's a fear sometimes that sets in, like, how would I live my life without this other person in it? Could I I do that? And so fear kind of sets in. Maybe it's a fear of uncertainty or maybe it's a fear of the unknown. Like maybe I don't know that I'm going to have my job next week and I'm fearful of that. Like, how will I provide for my family? How will I continue to pay my mortgage or my rent? Or maybe it's just, like, I don't know, like I'm going to jump on an airplane. I have my boss, one of my bosses one time, she says, I'm getting on an airplane and I'm deathly afraid that I won't make it to my destination Right. That that plane is going to fall out of the sky. Those are real fears that we face and they can have the tendency to grip us and paralyze us and keep us from doing the things God wants us to do. Maybe for some of us, it's a fear of judgment. Like, I know I need to confront that person, but I'm fe- I'm fearful of what they're going to think about what I have to say. Right. Maybe it's a fear of, of what others will think of you. Like, I want to share my faith. I, I want to kind of reach out to that person But I don't know how they're going to respond to me. I don't know what they're going to think about me if I do that. They're going to be like, look at that Jesus freak. Right? And so we don't do it. Or maybe it's even a fear of judgment of God. Sometimes that can stop us in our tracks. Right? If we don't have a right fear of God, uh, sometimes that can keep us from doing things that God really wants us to do. Or maybe even for some of us, it's fear of enemies, it's fear of people, it's fear of. I'm afraid to go out on the streets, maybe of Norwalk at night because it's dark and I don't know what kind of people are out there. And I don't walk the streets at night. Right. Maybe that's a fear of yours. But fear is all around us. David faced fear. Uh, and we see this all throughout scripture. So on the next slide, there's going to be a couple passages. This doesn't even scratch the surface, but multiple times David says in the Psalms. So, for example, Psalm 55, verse five, this is where David finds himself in a season Probably of both uh, rebellion by his son, Absalom, as well as probably some uh, betrayal by a good friend. But he pins these words in Psalms 55, 5. He says, fear and trembling have come upon me. This is David speaking. This is King David. This is the man after God's own heart. And he says, fear and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. Right? It had gripped David so much. His circumstances, the things that he was encountering. Psalm 56, verse 3. Again, David, uh, as he's endangered by the Philistines and facing the Philistines, he says this, he says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. When, what can flesh Due to me. Remember, he has to remind himself, right, of God's goodness, and I don't need to be afraid because God. I put my trust in God. You'll see that as a common theme uh, throughout Scripture, but throughout the Psalms, trust in God eliminates fear. And then in Psalms thirty-four, four, he says, "I sought the Lord; He answered me." Or maybe some of your versions say, "He heard me," and then He delivered me from all of my fears. What a bold statement, right? I put my trust in the Lord. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He heard me. And all of my fears were taken care of. Don't you wish you could like just claim that today? Like all fears are gone. Right. But I think the more and more that we learn to trust in God, we learn to trust in his son, Jesus, those fears will start to remove themselves. I I truly believe that the reason I can even stand up here today. Right. Is because God has helped me to overcome the fear of being in front of people and speaking in front of people. Well, as I studied Psalm 27 and kind of went through that a little bit, there's three things that I noticed that David demonstrated in the midst of fear. And so these three things I want us to talk about a little bit this morning, these are going to be both points, but they're also application. Like, I want us to think about, like, am I applying these to my life? Am I doing what David demonstrated in Psalm 27? So the first one that uh, David did, and we'll put this up on the screen here, is this. It's acknowledge David, acknowledged God's character. David acknowledged God's character. Well, how do we see that from the very beginning? Look at verse one. David starts off and he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right. He acknowledges God's character. The character is God is light And God is salvation. God is strength. Or maybe your Bible says stronghold. But not only that, but look at the intimacy that we see in this passage. David doesn't just say the Lord is light. The Lord is salvation. But he says what? He says, yeah, he claims it as his own. He says, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And so look at that word light for a minute in your passage. So the Lord is my light. What does that mean? What was David declaring? Well, think about this. Light does what? Light guides, light shines, light helps us to see the path. David is saying to to the Lord, Lord, you are the one that guides my steps. You are the one that helps direct my path. You are the one who is holy. And, And how does he do that? He does that by the light of his word. So if like you fast forward a little bit, the psalmist later on in Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, the thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And if you know it, finish it with me and a light unto my path. Right. This is a picture of the beautiful uh, understanding that God is a God of redemption. He's not a God of judgment. He's not a God of, of condemnation. But God is a God of redemption. And David is claiming you are my light. You help direct my steps. You help me know where to go and when to go and how to do it and how to overcome the fear that's that's in front of me. And then he says, not only that, but he says, you're my salvation. Right. This shows and demonstrates the love of God. Like, think about this. David is being bombarded by King Saul's guys. Right. They're looking for him. David's hiding out. King Saul's after him. He's been trying to kill him and the guys are coming after him. And David is like, I'm fearful. I need to be rescued. And so think about that. David sees God as his rescuer, like a physical rescuer, but also a spiritual rescuer. Right. That's what this means. You're my salvation. Jesus literally came to rescue you and me from ourselves, from our sin, from the things that we've been doing in our lives that we can't. We can't solve it. And Jesus came and he went to the cross willingly. It wasn't an accident, right? The Romans didn't take charge and put him up there. Like he literally willingly laid down his life for you and for me. That's why David can claim you are my light and my salvation. And then he goes on and says, you're my strength and my stronghold. In other words, it's a true picture of God's character on display. And David acknowledges it and he reminds us of it. So here's my question for us. Where do we go when we face fear? Do, do we acknowledge God's character? Do we immediately go to God and say, God, you are light. You are salvation. You're my stronghold. You're my refuge. You're... Do we start to claim the character of God as we face that? David did. And it clearly helped him because in Psalm 27, he's saying, whom shall I be afraid of? Whom shall I fear? Because God is my light and my salvation and my stronghold. Well, let me illustrate this a little bit. First time um, I had to give a sermon uh, was in high school. And again, in high school, I went on this missions uh, ministry trip. It used to be known as Operation Barnabas. Today it would be known as uh, Momentum Travel Teams. I actually now get to work for Momentum, which is kind of fun. Um, but I went on that trip as a high schooler. And you want to know one of the things that almost stopped me from going on that trip? I had to stand up in front of people and give a five to 10 minute message or sermon. And I was fearful of that. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And multiple people in my life just said, Tim, you need to apply for this trip. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to do it. Right. And I'll never forget. Ron Muir came alongside me and he said, hey, why don't I sit with you and why don't we work on this together? And so at that time, Ron owned the A&W down the street here in Norwalk. And so I would go probably, I don't know, one or two times a month for a number of months. And I would sit with Ron and Ron would help me walk through a passage of scripture. So Romans 1 and two, that was my passage, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. There's God's character again, right? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, according to God's word. That time that I got to spend with Ron and that time that I got to spend in God's word helped to alleviate some of the fears that I've had. And the more time that I spent in God's word and the more time that I got to understand his character, it helped to alleviate that fear. And I was able to go on that trip. Now, there was still some fear there, but I was able to stand up and actually deliver that sermon to a group of people that summer. Right. Why? Because God helped me to understand his character. It's him. It's not me. It all all starts with acknowledging God's character. Well, number two, here's the second thing that we realize as we look at this passage. Not only did David acknowledge God's character, but David claims God's provisions along the way. Well, how do we see this? Well, look at this Uh, in verse two. Let's see some of the things that David is facing. He says, He says this, he says, when evildoers assail me. So we have this picture that there's evil people, there's evildoers, there's people that are coming after David, right? It says, when evildoers assail me. And then it says, when the army encamped against me. So we just see this picture of evildoers, we see this picture of an army kind of surrounding him and camping against him. And then it says, and the war rise against me. So now all of a sudden, not only is there an army, but there's, he feels like there's this War raging against him. And there probably in some physical way was. So we see these things, right? The war is rising against him. The, the attack is in full force. You ever, you ever felt like that? Maybe not physically, like maybe some of you have been in war and you felt the attack. But you ever felt like the emotional attack? You ever felt the spiritual attack? And you feel like you're being backed into a corner and you don't know what to do because of the situation that you're facing? think about this. Maybe for some of us, it's in the form of our boss, right? Maybe for some of us, unless you're your own boss, right? But if maybe it's in the form of a boss where your boss is putting lots of pressure on you, pressure to work long hours. I just had a plumber out to my house this last week and I said, Hey man, are you, you've been busy. How you doing? He's like, I've been working 16 hour days. I was like, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of work. Right. So maybe for you, that's what that's what it is, that your boss is putting pressure on you and you're fearful if you say something to your boss. Guess what? Job goes away or you don't get the status or you don't get the clients or you don't get whatever. Right. Like there's a fear there. If I say something, and if I speak up to my boss, it could mean my job. It could mean other things. Promotions don't happen. Right. Maybe it's unrealistic expectations from a spouse Right. And you're fearful if you'd say something to your spouse because they put these expectations on you. You're fearful that they're going to blow up at you or you're fearful they're not going to take it well. And so you don't say anything. Right. These are the fears that come in our lives. And and though the evildoer was there and the army was there and camped against him and the war was raging against him, David goes on to claim God's provisions. And look at verse five for verse five says this. It says, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. So in the day that I'm fearful, in the day that I feel like the army's coming against me, right, I can hide in the shelter of God. It says He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. He will hide me in his shelter. Maybe, maybe your version of the Bible says, In in his dwelling place or in his pavilion. Right. But he will conceal me under the cover of his tent in the secret place of his sanctuary in that moment where, like, I just need to be in God's presence. He says, I'm there. I'm with you. I got this. And then he says, he'll set you high upon a rock. Well, think about this word shelter for a minute, for he will hide me in his shelter. Uh, This word shelter or pavilion or dwelling, whatever your, your version of the Bible may say, this is the same word shelter that we see Uh, in the Hebrew and other places in the book of Psalms. So it doesn't just happen here. Uh, So, for example, in Psalm 32, verse seven, another Psalm that David uh, uh, wrote, it says, David says this, he says, you are my hiding place. You are a hiding place for me. That's the same word as shelter. You are my hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble and you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Psalm 91, one through two, Moses pins these words. He says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Again, we see that picture of shelter. We see that picture of God as a, a place that we can run. He's a, he's a God we can run to. And he provides that protection. Psalms 119, again, David in verse 114 says, you are my hiding place. That's again, that word shelter and my shield. And I hope in your word, do you guys see the provisions of God at work here? Do you see how God comes to David's aid and David's side and says, I got you, David. Like, you don't have to worry about this. And then here's my other question. Do you see it in your own life? Do you see God's provisions at work in your life? Do You see God as a mighty fortress Do you see God as a place of shelter? Do you see God at work in your lives when fear comes upon you? So not only does David acknowledge God's character, not only does David claim God's provisions, but David trusts God's assurance. He puts his trust in God. So God's assurance gave David freedom from fear and doubt. Right. It gave him certainty when there was none. It gave him a place to say, God, like, I I don't know why I'm facing this. I don't understand the situation around I don't know why it's happening. But God, I put my trust in you because you've proven to be faithful in the past. And so now, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid of? My heart shall not fear. Look at verse three. Psalm, Psalm 27. Again, though the... Though the army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me. And he says these words, he says, yet, even though all these things are happening, he says, yet I will be what? I will be confident. Confident in himself? (laughs) No way. Right? Confident in the light and the salvation and the stronghold of God. Look further down, uh, verses five and six. Again, we see this picture of how can how can you trust in God's assurance? Well, verse five and six says, for he will hide me in his shelter. It's a promise, right? He will hide me in his shelter. And I believe David says these words because he's already experienced the shelter of God in his life. Right. He says he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up. Right. There's the assurance of God. He will lift me up. I think there's two things you ever walk around with your head down like people do it all the time. Right. But I think there's two things that really get our our physical body down and it's fear and shame. Right. But it's here. The scripture says, if we put our trust and our faith in God, it says he will lift you up above all your enemies. And though they're around you, he says, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts and joy and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Look at these uh, passages, Proverbs twenty nine, twenty five. I think they'll be up there on the screen. It says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Again, we see the assurance of God when we put our trust in him. Isaiah 41. I love this passage. One of my favorite Isaiah passages. Uh, Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. Look at the assurance or the confidence that God gives to his people here. He says, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen... The offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and I called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Right, What an incredible assurance from God. Are you experiencing that in your own life? Are are you claiming that? Are you acknowledging that? I ran across, I don't know if anybody would know this name, but there's a guy named Neil Anderson. And Neil Anderson is somewhat from our backyard. Uh, Neil Anderson is a Christian author, but he's also the former chairman uh, of the theology department at Talbot School of Theology at Biola. So he used to be, not, not any longer, but he used to be the... Uh, the chair of that, uh, theology department, but he did this. He wrote, he kind of looked through scripture and he wrote an incredible list from scripture of who we are in Christ and the assurance that God has given us. And so I just want to kind of read, it's, it's a little lengthy, but we're going to kind of read through this uh, because I think these are important for us to remember, especially if we're going to put our trust in God and claim in. So the, here's what Neil Anderson grabbed from scripture. And these all are, are based in scripture says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a child of God. You are part of the true vine, a channel of Christ's life. You are Christ's friend. You are chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. You are enslaved to God. You are a son of God. God is your father and you are joint heirs with Christ, sharing in his inheritance with him. You are a temple of God. His spirit and his life dwell in you. That, that blows my mind. You ever stop and just think about that? You literally are the temple. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you become the temple, the dwelling place, the shelter of the Holy Spirit. So you are a temple of God. You are united to the Lord and you are one in spirit with him. You are a member of Christ's body. You are a new creation. You are reconciled to God and you are a minister of reconciliation. You are a son of God and one in Christ. You are an heir of God since you are a son of God. You are a saint. Kids, you might want to use that when you are getting in trouble with your parents. Just remind them, I'm a saint, mom and dad. You are God's workmanship, his handiwork, born anew in Christ to do his work. You are a fellow citizen with the rest of God's family. You're a prisoner of Christ. You are righteous and holy you are a citizen of heaven. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are an expression of the life of Christ because he is your life. You are chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. You are, son, you are a son of light and not of darkness. You're a holy partaker of heavenly calling. You are a partaker of Christ. You share in his life. You are one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. You are an alien and a stranger in this world in which you temporarily live and You are an enemy of of the devil. But you are a child of God and you resemble Christ, and you, are a, and you are born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. You have been justified, forgiven, made righteous. You died with Christ and died to the power of sin's rule over life. You are free forever from condemnation. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to God, and you have been established, anointed, and sealed by God in Christ. Those are the assurances. I don't know where all of you are at in your relationship with Christ. I know many of you. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is the assurance that God gives you. God says, if you put your trust in me, these things become true in your life. And David knew that and David claimed that. Well, no wonder David can say at the end of three, yet I will be confident, right? He says, I will be confident. Well, I love this. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn to uh, Second Timothy. We're going to kind of camp out just for a few minutes in this passage uh, as we as we uh, round up here. Uh, Second Timothy, chapter one. And as you're finding your way to Second Timothy, chapter one, let me just give you a little bit of background. Second Timothy, chapter one is where you want to land. Find your way to verse five. But this is I love this. This is Paul's address to Timothy. And uh, Paul met Timothy during Paul's second missionary journey. So if you know the story of Paul, Paul went on a, a couple different missionary journeys uh, after coming to know Christ and surrendering his life to him. So Paul runs across this young man named Timothy. Um, and at the time of writing Second Timothy or this letter to Timothy, Paul now finds himself for the second time under Roman imprisonment. Now, the first time he had a little bit of freedom under the Roman imprisonment. So he was under house arrest. Probably had one of those like, I don't know, but it's not cool, but he had one of those cool ankle bracelets on, right? Sporting one of the ankle bracelets. He had freedom to kind of be walking around a little bit and engaging with people. But this time around in the second Roman imprisonment, I think the picture is completely different. Um, Most likely he's in a dark, cold cell by himself, not engaging much with other people. And I have to imagine Paul is thinking, my time is coming near, right? Jesus is calling me home. Uh, the, the pressure of the world is coming down on me. And he, and he has to pass this baton on to uh, Timothy. So let's read Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, 5, just a few verses, 5 through 7. So Paul says this to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, To fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Right. Paul says to, to Timothy, he says this, he says, look, I see your faith, right? It's genuine. It's sincere. He's like, I'm not questioning your faith. He says, I saw it in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother. I know it's in you. I know it's genuine. I know it's there. But he says, hey. It's time to fan into flames the spiritual gift, the spirit of God that's in you. It's time to get those embers glowing, right? And so he gives this charge to Timothy and he says, man, don't hold back. Give that fire some oxygen. Start fanning those embers and turn it into a flame. And so he says this to Timothy, he says, don't let it smolder. Right. But it's time to, pan, to fan that puppy into roaring flames. I think if Peter entered the scene, entered this conversation, Peter would probably say this. He'd probably say, let's go, Timothy. Timothy, you have everything that you need for life and godliness. You'll find that those very words in, in, uh, in uh, first or second Peter. Right. You have everything that you need. In other words, the, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, Timothy. So fan that into flame, that gift that he's given you. And then Paul says this to Timothy at the very end. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not a fear. And some of your Bibles may say fear and timidity, right? He didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-control. Well, as a young person, as a young adult, and now as an adult, I've had to act in many different ways to fight off fear, whether that's fear of bees whether that's fear of public speaking, whether that's fear of conflict. Uh, I'm not a big conflict person. I don't like conflict. Right. But God has taught me how to acknowledge his character, how to claim his provisions and how to trust in his assurance. And that's given me uh, the ability. I feel like lately in my life, there's been moments where like I would usually run from conflict and God is now giving me the confidence to say, no, don't run from conflict, address conflict, work out conflict. And so the only way that happens in our life in our lives is if we act. ACT. Acknowledge, claim and trust. Here's what I realized. Fear. I said this at the very beginning. Fear freezes us. It paralyzes us. It stops us in our tracks and it stops us from showing true love. It stops us from speaking truth to others and I would say this to us this morning. Church, God did not put the spirit of fear and timidity in us. That's not from God. The scripture says it. I'm not making this up, right? The scripture says it. It's, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he gives us power and love and self-control. Well, here, real quick, as we wrap this up, here's what fear and timidity do to us. It makes us play the what if game. Anybody know what I mean? It makes us play the what if game. Well, let, let me give you some of you know, but let me give you some examples. I know I should be vocal about my faith. So if you have a relationship with Christ this morning, God says you are now an ambassador of mine. You now get the privilege to go out and represent Christ to the world. And so I know I've been given a call on my life to talk about my faith. But I know that if I do that, I, I know I should vocalize my faith. But but what if? But what if I do? Will I be labeled a Jesus freak? Will I be ostracized by my friends because they don't want to hear anything about it? Will I not know the right answers for a long time? That stopped me from sharing my faith. What if I don't know the right answers? What if I don't know how to respond to somebody if they have questions about my faith? And so we don't do it. Maybe for some of us young people or single people, it's like maybe you're dating somebody that doesn't really isn't really walking with the Lord. And you're like if I talk about the Lord with them, they may leave me. Good. That's great. That's okay. Right? But we shouldn't be afraid to do those things. I know that I should not be involved in gossip and slander of others. But what if I speak up against it? What if the circle that I'm in, or what if the people that are, are, are gossiping or, or tearing down somebody else, what if I speak up against them and they don't like it? What if, in fact, what if I speak up against it and now all of a sudden they start talking about me? I don't like that. And fear stops us and fear paralyzes us and fear stops us from saying anything about it. I know I need to say something about the, my workplace, the immoral practices of my workplace, things that have been going on in my workplace. I know I need to stand up and say something, but I'm fearful if I do, my boss may not take it well. I'm fearful if I if I do my coworkers will uh, start excluding me from lunchtime or they'll start talking again about me what if I lose my job because of it right so I stay silent and fear wins what about this what about I know I need to turn from my addictions but if I do how will my body respond how will I respond Can I can I live without that thing that's become an addiction in my life? What if I relapse? What if I go back to it? Right. All of these what ifs start flooding into our minds and fear stops us from doing anything about it. What about this? What about I know I need to seek forgiveness from someone or I know I need to give forgiveness to somebody. But what if they don't respond well when I ask for that forgiveness or I give the forgiveness? What if they don't give forgiveness back? What if they don't offer me forgiveness? What if I go seek it and they don't give it? And so this what if game stops us from doing anything. And I think if Paul were with us today, he would say that's not the life that God's calling you to. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear paralyze you. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-control. Catch this. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do for someone is speak truth to them. Th- that's not easy. But sometimes the most loving thing we can do for someone is speak truth to them. So maybe it's, maybe you have a family member that you know, like, they're just out of control, right? Or they do things, their attitude, their, how they respond to things. And you're like, man, someone needs to say something to them. But nobody wants to address it, right? And you're just like, eh, they just, it is what it is. They, they are who they are. No, love this whole idea of loving Christ says, I love you enough to come alongside you out of love and bring it up, right? Because I love you. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug anymore. Or maybe, you know, that God's calling you to serve him in some way. Maybe you felt this nudge from God and God's like, I really want you to do this. Tim, I really want you to go on this mission trip as a high schooler. Uh, I don't know. Right? And maybe you feel that nudge, God saying, hey, I want you to do this. But there's fear and fear is stopping you from doing that. Can I be honest with you? Six, six years ago, I got an offer to leave my full-time banking job and go into full-time ministry with Momentum Ministry Partners. And fear started knocking on my door. And, and I started playing the what-if game. Well, what if you do this, Tim? Because if I did this, I'd have to raise my own support. The salary isn't there. So you'd have to go out Tim, You have to go out and raise your support. What if I don't raise all of my support? What, what if people start giving, but then they stop? What, what, what if I can't provide for my family any longer? Right. And all of these fears start flooding in. And I just think, that what if I would have allowed the fear to win? Because here's the thing that I know. I, I did come on staff with Momentum Ministry Partners. I did go into full time ministry I'm, I'm able to serve here at the church. And God has rewarded me and blessed me in so many ways that I would missed out on otherwise. Right, because fear often will stop us from doing the things that God wants us to do. So acknowledge God's character, claim God's provision and trust in God's assurance. Let me leave you with this verse. John 14:27. Jesus, this is Jesus talking to his disciples and he says this, he says, peace I leave with you my peace. I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. I'm going to invite the worship team up. But as they come up, um, I want you to think about this. The peace that God alone can give us will dissolve any fear in your life that you're facing. Just like David was able to say in Psalm 34, I sought the Lord. He heard me and all of my fears were taken care of. I don't know what fears you're facing this morning. I don't know what fears you've been battling in your life. I don't know how fear has stopped you or paralyzed you or stopped you from doing things. But if there's fear in your life, I want to encourage you. Number one, acknowledge God's character. Go before the Lord, claim his promises, claim who he is, his provisions. And then I want to say, put your trust in God. Maybe some of us have put our trust in God. We're like a Timothy. We're like, yeah, I have faith, but I've been holding back. And maybe there's other of us that are like, I've never put my faith in Jesus. I've never done that. And I would encourage you, put your faith in Jesus today. Make a declaration today. What is it, February 11th, to say, today's the day that I'm going to stop fearing the things of the world and I'm going to put my faith in who Jesus is. God, we just say thanks this morning for your word. God, thanks for the comfort that it brings us in the midst of fear. God, when we feel like there's this army encamping against us, God, when we feel, feel like there's this addiction that we can't overcome or we feel like there's this relationship that's just been broken and I know I need to say something, I know I need to do something, but I just haven't. And God, I pray that we would be able to say what David says. God, yet all these things, though they, all, the army encamps against me, though I fear, I fear the things around me, yet I will be confident. Why? Because I put my trust in God. So, God, we do that this morning. God, I pray that each one of us as we're sitting here, God, if we haven't done that already, that we would put our trust in you. God, for those that have, maybe we've already put our trust in you, but we're still maybe battling a little bit with this topic of fear. God, would you help us? Uh, would you come alongside us? Would you be our shelter? Would you lift us up, God, in this time? God, thanks for your word. Thanks for David. Thanks for the example of how he demonstrated fear in his life. God, help us to do the same in ours. God, we pray this in your mighty name. Amen.